When and how are you called to make peace? We've been talking about different aspects of peace over two months now. And today was originally on the theme of making peace with creation. But I figured we'll be talking about that the next two Sundays. And that probably would be a subject that others of you would have a lot more to share on. Plus, we skipped over this Sunday earlier in the series. Like you got something to say about making peace with others. What? Uh, are you talking about like sharing a piece of tie or getting on a piece of the action? No. Then maybe you should just say T-sat and hobble back to your seat. <laughs> what are you doing? What? You couldn't wait for me to introduce you? It's just so painful watching you up there with your one wing-a-ling leg and your pathetic attempt to talk about T-sat by yourself. Okay, well... Since you've already made your presence known, I thought in light of all that's going on in the world and in our lives, having someone else up front with me today might be helpful, maybe a bit more enjoyable, clearly. Okay, so Rachel, if you don't mind, thanks. So this is Donnie. He is one of the many, many creations by Lori Everett, who I met while working at Madison Mennonite this past summer. And Lori was kind enough to lend me, let me borrow, Donnie and a lot of other incredible puppets for a little while. A little while? It's been like over six months now. Okay, yes, that's true. But with my current condition, I, I can't very easily get you, you know, back to her. In your current condition, there are probably a lot of things you shouldn't be doing, but here you are doing them anyway. What do you mean? Like doing a sermon on peace? Well, we're doing that. Mm -hmm. You should have heard this guy sitting on his couch complaining about how there was so little he could find on this passage. Well, this story is not really part of any lectionary, so there were a lot less resources. Such a complainer. Where's the commentary? Where's the analysis? Where's my coffee? What? He's constantly asking his family to get him stuff. <laughs> We're looking at when and how we are called to make peace. Speaking of which, you've been having a tough time just making peace with your own situation, haven't you? That's not wrong. And I would assume that's something that a lot of us could relate to. I don't see nobody else out there on crutches. Okay, no. But making peace with your own situation, making peace with what you can do and what you can't, what you have control over and what you don't, what you want to be and what is. There are so many ways and feelings that keep us from being at peace with our lives and within ourselves. Yeah, that's already been covered other Sundays. Yeah, okay, but it's got to start with that, right? How can we make peace with others or creation, if we don't have a basic understanding and striving for peace within. Fair enough. So, riddle me this. Yeah. Yins have been talking about peace for over two months now. Yeah, that's not a question or a riddle. Yeah, but, uh, here it is. Do you feel like you're more at peace now? Are you doing a better job of making peace? Well, that's not 
really what this is about. Are you seeing Northeast in our world? Are you seeing Northeast making in your life? Okay, if I'm honest, I feel like I've been seeing the opposite more readily in the last few months. Interesting. But just because we see and hear about violence doesn't mean there aren't people working for peace in all sorts of situations and places. And our story today is a great example of how we need to make peace when we can, how we can. Oh, so you did get something out of Scripture. Of course, this is a great story. A woman in a really difficult situation stepping up and making some sacrifices to ensure peace, at least in the moment. So let's look at the story. Yeah, I think the cast is ready. The, the cast? Yeah, to tell the story. Oh, who's, who's doing that? Uh, they're right there at the side, yeah. Um, where? On the stand there. The visuals. Uh, I guess, in that you can see them and they're going to tell the story. Okay, how? You're looking at some of the best inanimate object actors in the world. Really? Really? That rock there is amazing at playing a hard, dense character like Nadal. He's been typecast as the heavy so many times. <clears throat> oh, I, I see. That hammer there is playing David. Hello, buddy. Hi. <laughs> and Abigail. Oh, hi there. How's that you? I I'm fine. Was, was that the leaf? Duh. There ain't no olive branches native to Wisconsin. Oh, okay. And a branch or a piece of wood just felt too, uh, sticky. <laughs> Terrible pun. Anyway, so this is our cast. Uh, Nabal, a wealthy landowner, his wife, Abigail, and David. Uh, you're forgetting somebody. Who? Our narrator. Well, I thought we were telling the story. No, it's right there on the table. The Bible. Greetings and salutations. <laughs> Hi. I mean, you're not going to suggest that you can do a better job telling the story than the Bible. No, no. All right, Bible, go ahead. There was a man in Nain whose property was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. That's got to be messy. What? Shearing sheep in Carmel? That's sticky stuff, and I ain't talking about no olive branch neither. Okay. The city of Carmel was to the north of Man and had the only reliable water source in the area. Ah, uh, that makes more sense. Yeah. And good on you. You did a lot of research. Thank you. Nay, I, sorry. Now, the name of the man was Nabal. Mm. Isn't rock good? It's one of those method actors. Really? And the name of the wife was Abigail. The woman was clever and beautiful, but the man was surly and mean. He was a Calebite. Oh, a Calebite. Say no more. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men and said to them, Go to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. Thus you shall salute him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers now. Your shepherds have been with us, and we did hear them. 
and did no harm and did bainest nothing. All the time they are in Carmel, ask your young men and they'll tell you. Therefore, let my men find favor in your sight, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. So just to clarify, David has been hiding out in the hills with several hundred followers because King Samuel wanted to kill him, and they were making a living staying alive by providing protection for people like Nabal. That sounds kind of like a nod technique. Yeah, and note that David talks about peace to Nabal, all his house, all of his things, if he gives whatever he has at hand to David. That sounds like it could be a nice request or a threat. Taste be to you and give me. I mean, not wrong. <clears throat> Sorry. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. But Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are drinking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and the meat that I have butchered for my shearers and give it to men who have come from I do not know where? Oh, he's good. He's very good. So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. David said to his men, Every man strapped on his sword. And every man strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. This is a lot of sword strappage. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Who's playing the young man? Oops, we forgot to cast that. We can do it. Who said that? Uh, you're 10, duh. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I don't have a lot of acting experience, but I have done a lot of writing, so that's gonna count for something, right? Go for it. Bible, get in the queue. But one of the young men told David, the told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he shouted insults at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. We never missed anything when we were in the fields as long as we were with them. They were a wall to us by night and by day. All the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do, for evil has been decided against our master and against all his house. He is so ill-natured that no one can speak to him. Well done. That was quite the monologue. Give it up for the pen. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Then Abigail hurried and took two hundred loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five netters of parched grain, one hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and a partridge in a pear tree. Sorry, that's just the whole lot of stuff to take down there. She loaded them on donkeys and said to your young men, Oh, you just go on ahead of me there. I'll be coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she rode on the donkey, he came down over the mountain. David and his men came towards her, and she met them. Now David said, Surely it was in vain that I protected all this Salah has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, but he has returned to me evil for good. God, do so to David, and more so also, if by morning I leave as much as one nail of all who belong to him. So, that was a threat, right? It sounded like a threat. Yeah, David was saying that God should kill David and do worse if David doesn't kill every male in Nabal's house. Oh, so he's about to commit mass murder. Yeah, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and alighted from the donkey and fell before David on her face. That had to hurt. Bowing to the ground, she fell at his feet and said, Oh, upon me alone, my lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. My lord, do not take seriously this ill-natured fella, Nadal, for as his name is, so is he. Nadal is his name, and folly is with him. Why is she making so much about his name? Well, apparently the word Nabal means fool. Ah. So probably not the actual name his parents gave him, but a good name for the story. Eh, sounds right. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my lord whom you sent. Now then, my lord, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, don't you know, since the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from taking vengeance with your own hand, now let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my lord be like Nadal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my lord be given to the young men who follow my lord. Lordy! Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you as long as you live over teeth's sake. If anyone should rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living under the care of the Lord your God. There is so much Lord talk. It's hard to distinguish when she's talking about Lord David and when she's talking about the Lord God Almighty. I know. Oh, what? I wonder if that's not thy design. Oh, yeah? You know, like she's stroking David's ego. Kind of sounds like it to me. That the lies of your enemies shall he shall sling out as the hollow of a sling to leave you knee. 
When the Lord has done tonight, Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or tangs of conscience or for having shed blood without cause or for having saved himself. Yep, totally stroking his ego. And when the Lord has dealt with my Lord, then remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you to meet me today. Blessed be your good sense, and blessed be you, who have kept me today from blood guilt and from avenging myself by my own hand. For surely, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, Truly by morning, there would not have been left in the ball as much as one nail. Man, David's coming off as a total toll. Shh, we're almost done, sorry. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. He said to her, go up to your house in peace. See, I have heeded your voice. I have granted your petition. That's it. Yep. Weren't our actors terrific? Big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Well, to clarify, that's it for our story today of Abigail saving her entire house from being mass murdered. What continues afterward is that Nabal finds out and is so stunned by what his wife has done that he has a stroke and dies a couple days later. What? Yeah, and, and then Abigail ends up marrying David. It's not clear that she, if she does so because she wants to or because she has to. And David goes on to commit all kinds of murder in his ascent and ruling on the throne. Sheesh, the Old Testament, am I right? But Abigail does stop David from killing a bunch of people in our story today. She finds a way to keep peace. And it's really important since it spares a lot of lives. And as Abigail pointed out to David, also helps a potential perpetrator. Yeah, by bribing and brandizing. Well, yeah, maybe. Not exactly altruistic or even, you know, overly effective based on what happens later after the story. Okay, not completely. So that's probably why it's not no lectionary. That and the fact that it's so stinking long. Yes, but... I found this story super inspiring because it felt much truer to life. We won't always be able to stop others from per perpetuate, perpetrating violence. I can say that word. <laughs> but we'll find moments where we can try. Pardon me. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Let me get there. Yeah. Getting back to your, that question you started with. When and how are you called to make peace? Can I just say, there's so many questions that go along with that, you know. Oh, like what? Well, like, do you have the capacity to engage and try to make peace? And what are the chances you'll be successful? Because, you know, like Abigail, it often costs you sometimes a whole lot. That's true. Now, that's not to say that we aren't called to make peace. But in a very violent world and society, it's really important to assess and consider one's own peace and well-being as well. 
That sounds like it could just be an excuse to not do nothing. Oh, it certainly can be, absolutely. But peace and well-being are very different from comfort and feeling safe. I'm not suggesting we stay comfortable, just the opposite. Christ calls us to be his heart and hands in our world, and that will lead us into difficult situations. Oh, yeah, you got to consider the difference between healthy and unhealthy conflict avoidance because we do have to make judgments and what this means and looks like, well, that'll be different for each of us. That's true. It sounds like you are embodying a more feminist view of peacemaking, opposed to the patriarchal, pacifist take that dominated the 20th century. Oh, I didn't realize you did more than just tell Bible stories. Oh, I'm well-versed in many things. You're well-versed, right. Can I say something? Oh, of course. Let's just get you here. Along with the engrave, enough to engage in a volatile situation, it also requires having the imagination and empathy enough to see from another's point of view. In this situation, Abigail convinced a hot-headed David by creatively considering what he might be thinking and feeling. Ah, Creativity, imagination, empathy. Good grief, I'm exhausted just thinking about this all. Peace building can be very challenging, frustrating, and well, can even cause personal risk. Hey. Oh, yeah, you want to share something? Yeah, quite honestly, it can also be hard to not perpetuate violence ourselves. That's true. Well... I don't think anybody here is going to go out and get in a fight. I mean, I know Ray was a wrestler, but I don't see him getting in a brawl. I mean, no fisticuffs or nothing. No, but there are many different forms of violence. Obviously, there is physical violence, but there are so many ways that our words and actions can serve to be violent and hurtful. And sometimes our emotions and disagreements can get the best of us. That's true. Oh. oh, like Nabal being stubborn and wanting to keep what's his and David feeling like Nabal owed in something. Exactly. Which brings us back to the question for each of us. When and where are you called to make peace? Because like Abigail, we know we'll find ourselves in situations where we're going to feel compelled to try to make peace. My head's hurting. I feel like I got more questions than answers. I find that usually means I'm on the right track. Being curious and loving seems to always be more helpful than being defensive or just offering answers. All of you have been so helpful for me today. What are some questions you all have? Well, for starters, how do you participate in God's thesis at work in your life? in the communities you're a part of? Are there people or entities who demonstrate to you what this tea-snaking might look like? I got one. Sure. In what ways are those that do violence harmed by their actions? Huh. Have you ever been caught in the middle of a conflict where both sides behaved badly? What did you do? What do you wish you had done? Thanks.
Oh, I got one for you. Okay. Where have you found God's peace in you? In the work that you're doing? Thank you. I got one too. Okay. You got me upside down. Sorry. <laughs> Where have you struggled to find God's peace? That's it. Thank you. And let me just say, as someone who has had to rely on others a lot of late, and as we just recognized All Saints Day this last week, that we shouldn't forget the cloud of witnesses that surround us. While each of us are called to make peace in our own way and in our own time, we are not alone. We can and should lean on those that, ha that give us strength, whether they be people you can reach out to in your day-to-day life or the saints that reside with us from beyond the grave and who can help us be at peace. Who do you turn to to help you find peace? Okay, that's it. What? Not knowing you, you're not going to do no better than that. I'm sorry. Just wrap it up. Pull a George Costanza and get out on top. I don't follow. You're blowing it. Let me close things out here. Please. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. Is that good? Yes. Let me leave you with the words of Jesus. Can't get wrong there. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the word world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Lovely. Thank you all for your help. No problem. And if any of yins want to talk to me after the service, I'll be right down there by Rachel. And, and it's nice meeting yins. <laughs>